welcome back, football fanatics, junkies, and even some of our first-time listeners. I am your host, Fred, the NFL Always Off-Season GM, and got a pretty good show lined up for you here today. We're going to dive into some of the recent NFL news. We're going to go through some of the bargain or the best bargain players in the 2020 season based on their contract and stats. And then for State Your Case this week, we're going to start diving into some of our scouting stuff, give you a little bit of a preview. Uh, the question's going to be regarding the first overall pick. So like I said, pretty good show lined up for here today. And uh, we'll dive right into the recent NFL news right off the bat here. For recent NFL news, we finally get to see some movement on the free agent front. Uh, f- first of all, the Steelers went and signed Trey Turner, uh, former guard for the Los Angeles Chargers, Carolina Panthers. Uh, I believe he's a former All-Pro earlier in his career. He's he's more towards the tail end now. But uh, making this move made a lot of sense, uh, especially according to another piece of news that we got was David DeCastro, the, the longtime Steelers guard, also stepping down and possibly... Comp- contemplating retirement along with the release from the Steelers so those two moves go hand in hand especially since the Pittsburgh Steelers had uh significant uh changes to their offensive line this offseason uh losing a lot of guys to either free agency or retirement here so David Castro out Trey Turner in they basically swap each other for some guard play there also, they added a Kendrick Green through the draft. As, as excuse me, Kendrick Green through the draft this year. So they're they're gonna have a much different looking offensive line in front of Big Ben there. And not necessarily sure if it's gonna be better or worse, but nonetheless, it'll be much different. Uh, one more big piece of news that I wanted to talk about too was gonna be that the NFL is opening the NFL Combine up for bid where the different cities will be able to host it outside of Indianapolis. And this, in my opinion, was a no-brainer from a business standpoint for the NFL. They're going to be basically opening up to the highest bidder like they do with the draft and the Super Bowl, and it's going to open up a ton of money, whereas before everybody had to travel to Indy to come to the draft, or excuse me, to the Combine. Now they'll be able to bring the combine to different parts of the United States here and possibly international in the future. So I think it makes sense from a business standpoint, but there's been a lot of pushback if you listen to a lot of the analysts that have attended the combine or covered the combine for the NFL, basically saying that Indy's kind of set up for this and how they how they have the layout of the field and the surrounding businesses and the hotels and the team doctors and all of that stuff. So they said it's gonna. It, it, it could impact how it's ran in the future, but I, I just think, especially when you're trying to expand your fan base here and kind of make the NFL like a year-round thing and appeal to the younger generation of fans, I think that expanding the game, it, it just makes sense for it to move out of Indianapolis. You know, hopefully that these surrounding areas, that especially the smaller markets, will be able to supply the same type of product that they put on the field that they did at Indianapolis the last how many years. But nonetheless, we're we're seeing a big business decision by NF, excuse me a big business decision by the NFL here moving forward. So those are a couple of nuggets of big NFL news. Uh, let's throw it to the next segment here. So next up is going to be another segment I came up with uh, just ahead of summer scouting here before we take a break. Uh, one more cool little idea I came up with for off season content is going to be the best bargain players from 2020. So basically the stats that these players have put up, especially last year, 
compared to how much money they were making in, in terms of average annual value from the SpotTrack.com website. So basically, we just kind of filtered there among who's the, the cheapest contracts in terms of value. And then we compared it to what they had for stats and who's been the biggest bargain. Uh, so, so you're going to see a lot of rookie deal guys that were selected lower and have outperformed their draft selection. And we're going to see a lot of like bargain bin vets that signed for a lot of minimum contracts that ended up playing above what they were capable of signing for. So first up on the list, we're going to go with the quarterback position. And I went with Lamar Jackson. Uh, he basically was playing for an average annual value of $2.37 million, which ranked 41st at the quarterback position in the NFL last year. And when you take a look at the stats he's put up over the first two years of his career, you're looking at his MVP season. He had 30,000 yards plus 1,000 yards rushing to add to 36 TDs throwing. So it's, it's a pretty significant, pretty big-time uh, value he's adding to the Ravens on a, a very – team-friendly contract and even this last year he, he went for 2,757 yards 26 yards TD or excuse me 26 passing TDs in addition to another thousand on the ground and some rushing TDs there so I, I he was selected 32nd in the draft so that's why he's making this list and why he has such a cheap contract but he, he's obviously due for a pretty 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 big extension coming up here very shortly it's actually been repo- reported by a few outlets but in terms of 2020, he was one of the biggest bargains, I think, at the quarterback position. So next up, it's going to be the running back. And the biggest bargain at running back in 2020, in my opinion, was Aaron Jones for the Green Bay Packers. And when you look, he was a fifth-round pick out of UTEP. And he was actually drafted behind Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams was the fourth-round pick that year. It was slated to be the starter. And Jones eventually won out the job. And uh, he's ran for 1,000 yards in the last two seasons. Uh, and not this last season and not the season before he actually played in only 12 games and he still had about 750 yards so he was he was getting dang close to the thousand yard marker that year too and he also has some some pretty big time contributions in the the passing game as well too he, he, he likes to they like to move him throughout the formation split him out wide and run some two back sets and a lot of screen actions to him as well too so I think he's a he's a big time bargain when you look at how he's only making 650000 which ranked like 136 out of all NFL running backs last year. So Aaron Jones is our pick at running back. Next up at wide receiver, I kind of went with an off-the-wall off the selection here, and I went with Zach Paschal for the Indianapolis Colts. And when you take a look at his contract, he was making $525,000 in terms of uh, AAV last year, and that ranked 230th. So let, let's just put that in perspective here. There's 53-man rosters. Excuse me. I apologize. If a, a team rosters five receivers, there's 32 teams. That'd be 160 receivers. So he's still 100 spots outside of that in terms of contract ranking for average annual value. So in my opinion, that's a huge uh, bargain in terms of the production you got. And when we take a look at his production that he actually had, you're seeing a guy that had 629 yards and five tutties in 16 games. So I know that's it's not like eye-popping numbers there, but at, at the at the dollar price you're paying this guy, you're getting a huge value, in my opinion. And you compare it to the only other guy I thought about selecting here was Terry McLaurin, and he was the third-round pick. But you're almost talking about almost double the contract value for only like three to 400 more yards of uh, 
production. So I, I actually went with Zach Pascal here. I just thought for $525,000 that you're not expecting anything other than like special team snaps out of a guy. And here we're getting valuable receiving targets and touchdowns out of, out of a player. So next up is going to be tight end. And I went with another Green Bay Packer here. I went with Robert Tanyan. So Robert Tanyan kind of exploded on the scene last year out of Indiana State. He was an undrafted free agent, kind of worked his way up through the Green Bay Packers roster. And this past season, he caught, it was like some crazy number, like 52 out of 59 targets. So he was like crazy high in percentage of catches. And uh, he actually, I believe, led the NFL in receiving touchdowns by a tight end last year on top of having 586 yards. So that, he definitely caught Aaron Rodgers' eye. Aaron Rodgers loves the guy and should see some big-time uh, targets moving forward and a lot of end zone looks but when you take a look at the contract that the guy's on he's on a $660,000 contract because obviously he's an undrafted free agent he's, he's he's playing a little bit above his value here and he's a 160 or 122nd ranked contract for tight ends in the NFL so once again that's that's just an absurd number like there are a lot of these guys are getting paid a lot more money to do a lot less than him so we went with Robert Tanya in there uh, for the the bargain value, excuse me, the bargain value pick for the tight ends, and then next up is going to be the offensive tackle selection here, and this one's a little tougher just because uh, there's there's a lot of guys that usually they're they're high draft selections, so therefore their contracts are going to be higher, and they're always a big time. Hey, this is what I've done. This is how many starts I got. This is my you know how I graded out over the past year. We're going to pay me a contract off of this. And the one that I found that I thought was a was a pretty solid value is Orlando Brown. So Orlando Brown, I believe, was like a fourth-round draft pick for the Baltimore Ravens a couple years back. And the guy is only making $873,000 as an offensive tackle in 2020. So obviously he got traded to Kansas City for a first-round pick, essentially. And he's going to be making much more than that when he gets his extension up here. But he's been... He's been a, a huge plus for their offensive line. It's been one of the best in the league over the last couple years, especially in run blocking terms. And his $873,000 contract ranked 104th for AAV for offensive tackles in the NFL. So I think that was a pretty pretty big steal there, especially at a vital position like tackle. And then next up uh, for the last spot on the offensive side of the ball, I went interior offensive line. And we went with Wyatt Teller. So Wyatt Teller was an offensive guard for the Cleveland Browns, formerly the Buffalo Bills. They acquired him in a trade. I think it was like a fifth-round pick or something like that, real low-round selection. And all he's done since coming over to uh, Cleveland was he's an all-pro last year, <laughs> second-team all-pro offensive guard. And I think PFF had him like first-team all-pro. So like this guy's an elite talent on the offensive line. And when you take a look at the contract he was on, since he was such a low selection by the Buffalo Bills, is $679,000 for a guy that's an all-pro guard. So, I mean, that that's 152nd for all offensive guards. Are, it, I, that's just a crazy number to me, especially for a guy that you're getting, like, top-end talent. Like, this is a guy that's going to make your offense better day one. He's going to step up and do everything. He's going to maul people in the run game. He's going to be able to keep your quarterback upright from an interior perspective. So that was the offensive side of the ball. Now we're moving over to defense. And when I take a look at the defense, it's going to be a little more difficult since there's so uh, so much position fluidity on defense nowadays that it's not necessarily like, oh, this guy's an outside linebacker. He's an outside linebacker. This is where we rank him. 
there's a lot of edge defenders and there's a lot of guys, you know, split time between linebacker and safety. So we split it into, I believe it's one, two, three, five selections, but we didn't rank them. So I don't have like, Hey, this contract rank this out of this. So first up is going to be our edge defender category. And the guy that was the biggest bargain steal for 2020, I went with Trey Hendrickson, the former defensive end for the New Orleans Saints. Now the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, he, he had a big-time breakout season, especially playing alongside Cameron Jordan uh, and obviously Marcus Davenport, the first-round pick a few years back. And he, he really showed out last year. He posted 13 and a half sacks. And when you look at a guy, what, what he's making and how he's slotted on that depth chart, he has no business doing that. The guy's making $794,000 at a position that is much, much time seen as the second most important position on the football field. So I think Trey Henderson, an absolute steal in 2020, and he really cashed in this offseason based on his production. So he's no longer a bargain value anymore. But in 2020, he was a big time bargain and really gave some uh, heavy contributions to that Norland defense that stepped up in 2020. So next up is going to be interior defensive line. And I went with Puna Ford, the interior D lineman for the Seattle Seahawks. This one is a little bit tougher. It's it's not necessarily a, a stats-driven position. So it's not like, hey, we can go with a guy that's got 25 sacks. I mean, honestly, I would just take Aaron Donald because you could pay the guy $250 million and he's still going to be worth the contract. But when you take a look at uh, Puna Ford, I believe he's an undrafted free agent out of Texas, went over to Seattle, and I'm pretty sure he's, he's started a – huge number of games to them over the last couple years and has really obviously earned himself a job on the interior D-line there in Seattle. And uh, it's kind of just one of them positions that you don't you do all the dirty work, you don't get a lot of recognition. But uh, basically even just making the roster as a guy like that out of Texas being undrafted, it, huge credit to him. And I, I think he, he's making strides and he's starting games for them. So I, in my opinion, that, that slides in as a bargain, especially at, I believe his dollar number is, $573,000. So next up, uh, we're going to go to the linebacker position. And this one is <laughs> it's a little, little more chalky. This one's a little more easy. So when you take a look at the linebacker contracts, the first one that jumped right off the board at me, Fred Warner out of BYU. He's been a staple of the San Francisco 49ers defense the last few years under Sala. And all he's done is he's, he was an all pro this last year. He's widely regarded as the best coverage linebacker and all-around backer, sideline and sideline, since Luke Keekley left the league. So Fred Warner, in my in my opinion, biggest bargain contract. Because when you take a look, he was like a third or fourth round pick, so he's making nine hundred ninety-four thousand dollars, which is that's actually one of the higher contracts on our list here today. But when you're seeing what you get out of him, I think he's like at least a two-time Pro Bowler and an All-Pro linebacker. Worth the money, in my opinion, because when you take a look at a lot of these other guys, it's it's a next guy up kind of position where they you know we can get these guys in the fifth sixth round why are we going to pick one in the first for a premium dollar so Fred Warner was the pick for linebacker for me and then next up I went with for cornerbacks the biggest ba- uh, excuse me bargain selection was JC Jackson for the New England Patriots and when you take a look at what he's done for the New England Patriots he started 11 games uh, out of 16 and he played in all 16 games, obviously, but you're looking at a guy that, correct me if I'm wrong here, but he led the league in interceptions last year at nine interceptions. So that, that 
that alone gets you on the list of just being a, a great football player. But when you take a look at his contract, he's a he's a bargain because he's only making five hundred seventy three thousand dollars. Like, this is a guy that is easily the bottom half of the league in salary and giving you top 10, 15 in the league production. So, J.C. Jackson, no-brainer pick for me. I, I actually had another guy listed here, and all of a sudden I was scrolling through the list, and I'm like, whoa, can't, can't, can't let you know that pass me by. we got to get him in here. So, pretty easy selection here for me at corner. And then the last spot, we went with safety. And this one's a little bit tougher just because uh, usually the good guys are all the ones that are all getting paid in the league. But I went with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and he was a safety out of Miami for the New Orleans Saints. And he's been a, a very versatile piece in their defense. He's been able to really make an impact and make a name for himself on that defense. It was really considered a steal when they took him. A lot of people had him valued as like a second, third, you know, back excuse me, not back, but top of the fourth round kind of guy. And they got him, I I believe it was in the fourth round, maybe fifth round. So they get a a guy that can play one high, play single high, play double high, you know, two high cover, two looks. And then also not even be afraid to come down in the box and play the nickel position and cover some of them shiftier slot guys. And when you take a look at his numbers, he's got a couple picks the last two years. He started uh, 13 games out of 15 for him this past year and had 13 uh, passes defense. So I really like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and especially when you take a look at the bottom half of the the AAV contracts. There wasn't many of the the premium guys are going to be down there. Most of them are already getting paid. So in 2020, CGJ got our selection there for the New Orleans Saints. So that was it. Uh, That was our list of bargain value contracts for 2020 based on production. Let us know what you think. Otherwise, we're going to throw it over to the State Your Case segment here. So next up is going to be our State Your Case segment. And if you remember, the State Your Case segment is where we put out a Twitter poll to our viewers and ask a question. And then based on their response, we, we construct an argument to basically defend the viewer's opinion. So this week it was, who do you think is going to be the 2022 number one overall pick? And the options were... Or excuse me, Spencer Rattler, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, <clears throat> Sam Howell, and then DeMarvin Leal. And the winner of this week was Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon, the, the edge defender. So we're just going to run through the, some of the tail of the tape and give out some of his traits as to why he should be the first overall selection. So we did run through most of these. Actually, I did run through all of these prospects already had them ranked. But... Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau was a 6'5", 250-pound defensive end out of Oregon. In 2019, he recorded 35 tackles, uh, 14 for a loss, uh, 9 sacks, 1 forced fumble. And then the year after, in 2020, as a true sophomore, he had 42 tackles, 9.5 for a loss with 3 sacks. And as I mentioned, this year he'll be a true junior. He's uh, originally from Los Angeles, California, and he's a former five-star recruit. So he's He's pretty highly touted. He's going to a Big Ten program. Uh, his his stats in 2020 did dip a little bit just due to the shortened season with the Pac-10, or excuse me, Pac-12. So that's why you've seen a little bit of dip. And obviously, once you have an elite season like that in your true freshman year, you're going to be drawing a little bit more attention. But we'll get into that a little bit more once we start talking about some of his traits. So in his 2020 film, uh, you can see that he, he was even affecting games, like we mentioned, without you know having to 
be attacking and ha- be having the production. It's more of like the double team effect, stuff like that. So a lot of times teams were coming at him and they were throwing uh, a lot of screens his way, and a lot of quick passes, not letting him get home on his pass rushes. And when they they run read options at him, where he was the read key, basically you don't have to you don't have to block him then. So if he's a read guy. That's one less guy you got to block, and why not make it the best defender on the field? Put him in a bind, make him make a decision. So it kind of was minimizing the damage they could do, especially when you watch some of that Ohio uh, Iowa State film from this past year. But you see, as soon as they run a, a traditional play that wasn't one of the ones that we just mentioned, uh, he actually makes a tackle on the very first one. So you can see that it, he's he's an impact player right off the bat. There, there was a game plan in place for the, the opening drive and how they were going to go at him. But uh, I really think his number one attribute is going to be speed. Is like he's a big time explosive playmaker off the edge. He's a he's very very fast. It's it's the kind of speed that is worth a number one overall pick. So when you see him, he's able to get in like a wide nine technique, put his hand in the dirt, or even if you, you narrow it up like a five or seven, and just get after the quarterback. He's got a lot of bend to his frame too, uh, just with him being so lean and so quick. So. I really like that. I think that's his number one thing. But then secondly, we already mentioned it with his explosiveness to, to pair with that speed. And a lot of times he likes to take his his explosiveness and, and convert that speed into some power. So he doesn't. he's not a naturally powerful individual off the line where he's going to be forcibly driving individuals. But he's really good at getting up to that top speed and converting it into explosion. He's got explosive hands as well, too. He's great at the point of attack. Uh, and as we mentioned, with that lack of like true power and true size, he's, he's he doesn't really have an anchor against the run. So that's one of his deficiencies. But, yeah, as we mentioned, the, the number one attribute that you're going to see out of this guy is like true, true speed. Guys just cannot set feet cannot set their feet on them and when they're trying to like jump set on the guy then you're opening back up to the inside which is where you're seeing a lot of them double teams from the interior linemen coming but uh if you if you really want to see what this guy's capable of uh go turn on the film against uh usc and you'll see him going up against uh elijah Vera tucker who was actually a first round pick at guard this year played tackle for the trojans and the whole third quarter he just dominate the guy like he's got the whole arsenal open He's, he's bending the corner, he's ripping his hands across on a speed rush and getting across his face, getting after the quarterback. He's he's converting that speed into explosiveness. He's he's getting off quick off the edge and then sticking his hands right in the guy's chest and just driving him right back into the quarterback. It's it's some pretty pretty jarring stuff. It's 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 the kind of film you want to see out of a guy that you're gonna be thinking about taking number one overall. And uh just where I think he, the number one thing he can improve in uh I, it's really not much. This is a guy that could come in and probably get you eight, nine sacks in his first year, even if it's just like a pass rush specialist role. But uh, what I'm thinking is if you could see him put on about 20 to 25 pounds, you're going to see a truly elite edge defender at the next level. That'd put him in that like 270, 275 range. And basically what you're going to get then is a guy that can hold his own in the trenches. He doesn't need to get a running start or get that explosive start to get into guys. He'll be able to kind of work across and work on some of them double teams that he's getting from the inside. He'll be able to hold his ground and kind of forcibly move the pocket and dip inside, rip around, and instead of just using and relying on this speed that he has. So I think that that'll come. I think you put on a little bit of weight, a little bit of power, 
that's going to help him against the the better competition than what he was seeing in the Pac-12. Because like I mentioned, he went up against guys like ABT, but that's that's a that's a whole other beast of what he's going to be seeing in the NFL. So in my opinion, definitely worth a number one overall selection. I think all four of these guys were. But I was just kind of interested to, to gauge the, the viewers' opinion on this, to see where they were at in terms of the draft process. So great stuff. Love Kayvon Thibodeau. Great prospect. Dude's been on the scene for a couple years. We're excited to see what he's going to bring to the NFL. Thanks for tuning in to our, this week's episode. Hopefully uh, you enjoyed some of the stuff we put out there. I, I really like the bargain thing. It kind of brings some new names to light that kind of really had a under-the-radar great season in the NFL last year. So hopefully that's something that we can do year over year here. And it was kind of kind of fun to dive into a little bit of the NFL draft atmosphere. So we'll be off next week with the 4th of July, the holiday coming up. We won't be releasing an episode next week, Sunday or Monday. So make sure you stay tuned the week after. We'll be coming out with episode 10. Uh, we're going to try to start diving into some of our draft prospect talk. So make sure you tune in, hit subscribe, and we'll see you after the holiday. Thanks.